Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, I'm Nick. Hey, I'm John. Hello, I'm Ed. And, you know, this week we're kind of, you know, moving around a little bit. We kind of, you know, left our, you know, the comfort of our, our, our cybersecurity bubble. Um, actually, before we get too deep into the rabbit hole of today... Oh, I know it will. But before we get too deep in the rabbit hole today, I, I want to get your opinion on our topic last week, since you were not available, you're doing homework, um, and where we kind of talked about um, cybersecurity awareness and additive manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to get your opinion on that. Well, just to be short-winded and not, uh, like, go... Uh, make that. Make, somebody write that on their list. It's the first time for everyone. So uh, basically, awareness is probably the cheapest thing you can do for yourself as mm-hmm. uh, far as uh, things that you can do as far as best practices. So for me, that's, that's probably uh, the episode I would pay particular uh, attention to and focus on because if you can do those type of things, at least you've done enough things uh, to protect yourself from basic attacks. Um, I mean, like I said, we we said before, there is nothing that you can do if an APT uh, is uh, focused on you. So if someone really wants to get into your network and compromise it, they can. Uh, but I would say particularly for me, just pay attention to awareness. Keep yourself informed and, uh, you know, go to Reddit and places like that and get information as, uh, as much as you can. How would you lay that out? Uh, as far as going to Reddit and getting information? No, no I mean, how, how would you lay out a cybersecurity awareness, like, campaign? Uh, so the, the main thing was is you would start with the basics. So the, the basic would be, like, here, here are some of the things that are common that you will see, and you would approach those things. Then uh, after you did that, you would uh, go into, hey, here are some best practices. And then after that, you would do a Q&A session where you would talk to the person and see if they understood what you were saying. And if they had questions, then they can uh, uh, address those questions Those questions at that point. Uh, for the most part, it's just basically like, uh, like when you have a car, as, just using it as an analogy, you know, everybody know you needs to change. You need to change the oil, and the car now tell you when you have to change the oil. Uh, it's a little bit of variation in that, but I would take heed to those type of things. So if your um, systems that are in place tell you, hey, I had this, maybe you should pay attention to that. If you get some type of uh, um, alert that say, hey, this is an attack that we've seen, then you know you pay attention to certain emails mm-hmm. that come through because most of the attacks are going to be uh, social engineering driven. Uh, so th- those were the things I do. Like I said, I would just start with those things. Okay. I wouldn't make it complicated. I mean, you, you if you overcomplicate it, then you everything is important. Then that's that defeats the purpose of being security awareness. Yeah. But all right, I can't do your work because you're just too aware. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're too high, you're too high strong, um, but okay. So we've kind of you know kind of did that you know a little bit of backtrack you know and as not here one week we try like to bring it back on the topic from the week before. Um, so you know the one thing that we want to talk about this week is you know kind of the, the the bread and butter for some of us is preventative maintenance. All right, so we're gonna start a preventative maintenance 
um, uh, kind of like a, a, a series here where we're going to kind of go in depth a little bit on your hardware um, uh, PM, your hardware preventive maintenance. Your um, you start getting into our um, uh, software preventive maintenance. So our, the software machines making sure they're updated and whatnot. And then we're going to go into how to develop your PM checklist. You know, kind of what, you know, we kind of think that you need to lay out there. So, but for this one, for this episode, we're going to talk about the hardware side of the house. Now, when I say hardware, we're talking about, you know, your linear rails, your nozzles, your beds, everything that deals with the device. Um, that also will include your electrical connections and your drives and servos and stuff like that. You know, anything that's not software related is considered a hardware piece. Even though it's electrical, it's still considered hardware, just how it goes. And, you know, we kind of will talk on kind of like a, a checklist level and stuff like that of kind of what we do first and stuff like that and how we troubleshoot certain things. But the one thing that I'll, I'll, I'll say now is, you know, we may jump into other topics a little bit just because they pertain to what it is. And also, every printer and situation is different. We're looking at it as a high-level additive manufacturing side and even possibly regular manufacturing side for the guys who don't really do additive. So, you know, that's just, you know, my thing. And, you know, my little spiel on this is, you know, keep your ears open and let's have some fun with it. All right, so what do you guys think? So, I mean, if we're focusing hardware, um, you, it's, hardware don't work, software won't work. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> it's the same, like, it... It's the same thing as like you don't have two magnets. You can't like you yeah. can't connect them together. But like there's there's like fundamental elementary steps that need to happen that have to happen for you know, your process to work. So when you're thinking about preventive maintenance, these key points are are your focus areas. Like joint that moves ten thousand times a day in the same way back and forth. Probably rubbing something in, point, in yeah. the in yeah. There's probably a wear point at some point that you need to keep an eye out for, mm -hmm. or that arm's going to snap off and hit you in the head. Um, so at, at a certain point, it, it's it's preventive maintenance. And if you're in industrial situations, preventive maintenance to keep your uptime constant, like to avoid maximum downtime. Yeah, it, it if you have to do preventive maintenance, you have to bring you know certain things down for safety reasons. But y y you kind of pay the hour or two mm -hmm. of replacing a robot um, or, or let's say a weld head and the the time that it's going to be up from you starting back is just going to be priceless. It's going to make mm -hmm. back how much you, time you lost. Right. So at the end of the day, I, I mean, you could break it down into like many systems. Additive manufacturing is, is a good one. Like you, if you look at um, 3D printing, if you're not like... What, you think about your spool. It, preventative maintenance is even making sure that you have a spool running to your printer so that the, the hot end isn't heating and doesn't have like a medium to dissipate the heat to. Mm -hmm. Like the heat sink can only do but so much. Right. Right? You, it'll still heat up. It just delays and tries to cool. So it's things like that. Even something as small as just uh, like it doesn't have to be connected to your chip or sensor or anything because um, like what, what do we do most of the time in our daily lives reactive yeah. maintenance like oh my my garage door broke so I guess I'm gonna have to I can't open and close it now I'm gonna have to use the side door like 
your reactive maintenance is is that door is going to be down until you get your replacement part or f fix it or pay someone else to mm -hmm. fix it. Um, we, we don't want to do that. And I mean, a lot of cases we are at preventative maintenance stages, but the first thing I think of is, is what is visibly worn. And that's where I would go from, you know, like assessing and, and taking a peek at. So, I mean, I, I don't know, as far as, as far as hardware based, like in, in any, um, preventive maintenance, what, what are the first things that, like, that you're looking for in? So we'll just we'll just stick with uh, uh, additive manufacturing. Um, so uh, basically, there are four uh, areas of uh, maintenance when we're looking at uh, upkeep of equipment. So you're looking at corrective, you're looking at preventive, risk-based, and condition monitoring. Mm -hmm. So with corrective maintenance, those are things that you're gonna to uh, recommend that you do maintenance on. Mm -hmm. uh, Preventive is going to be things that you're going to try to repair before they happen. Uh, risk basis, you're going to make some assessments from the data you have from your system that these are things that are likely to fail. Mm -hmm. And then condition basis, we're going to look at the data, and the data is going to tell us something that is highly likable, I mean highly likely to have a failure. Mm -hmm. With those four things, and if you follow that approach, those four things will give you a structure. You can build on that, but those four things mm -hmm. will kind of point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, you, you make sense because the thought process is there. I mean, honestly, if, if it, all those things is trying to keep up time as mm -hmm. well. And so. the thing is, is, with all that, you can always build a KPI off of it. You mm -hmm. know, how much am I doing of each one of my maintenance tiers I'm running through? Okay. Um, how much time am I spending each week? Because, honestly, the, late, the least tier I want to be in is my corrective. I don't want to be saying that that, well, that that tier way too much. Well, so so that gives me that makes. So I want to be in my preventative ninety nine point nine percent of my time. I want to be hanging out in my preventative or just monitoring. No, that that leads me to my my my, my question though. Corrective. What, so when you're saying corrective, corrective is the system goes down. You said, or is it uh, you're just trying to? Uh, so co corrective are the things that the you do daily. Okay. So corrective are things that hey, this is. We, so, need, uh, we need to grease this. We need to okay. Yeah, that's corrective. So preventive is, okay, now I know that this is something that is likely to happen, so I'm going to be active and prevent that from happening. Okay. All right, okay. then your next step. So like prevent a failure as opposed to correct right. it, like something that's slightly off. Right. Risk base is saying, okay, what is the likelihood of this happening? Okay. Then I'm going to verify my risk base based off of my condition monitor. The condition monitor is going to tell you where to focus. Mm -hmm. I don't, so I don't have to go grease every squeaky wheel if I know where the squeaky wheel is. Right. Wow. You know, and, and then for me, yeah, it's true. like, you know, we start talking about, you know, especially at the corrective side of the house. And, you know, we'll probably roll a lot of that into here because, you know, for me, you know, coming from the military background, PM is whatever we do before we take a vehicle out or before we use a piece of equipment that day. You know, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to make sure that, you know, hey, my gear is it is good, it's not frayed, it's not, there's nothing broken on it. You know, things are in working order and, you know, able to be used for that for that afternoon. You know, if that's making sure, cool, I got, you know, three pens and two, and two pieces of paper. Guess what, I did the PM that day. You know, but, so for me, that's when we start living in the world of PM, because PM's a whole different, whole different bag of animals. You know, it's doing, and then we have also something called restorative maintenance. 
of where it's once you use something down so far, you're adding, you're going back and you're pulling like wheel hubs off and rebuilding wheel hubs and all sort of fun stuff. You know, all the stuff that makes you know grease monkeys happy. Um, but it's all. But you still, but you talk about corrective, and you know, for me that falls into preventative. I don't know why, but it does. Because I think that you know, if you walk into work and you have a set of linear rails that you're working with, and you start noticing, hey, guess what? These things are starting to get a little dusty. Mm. Let me go ahead and hit those with a little bit of grease, a little bit. You know, get them moving a little bit. You know, it's before I start that 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 thing up, I'm checking you know certain things. But that's just you know how I grow grew up with it. Well, that makes sense. I mean, with with everything that I, I like, with a lot of jobs, with a lot of uh, you know responsibilities, you have a set checklist. I mean, everybody, you break it down. Everybody's got a routine at the beginning of the mm-hmm. day to go through th- some things or to go through your Three day. Inches. Like, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm successful today, right? But uh, I mean, it, it really it really gets so vastly important once you get into an industrial level oh yeah um just because like at that point like you may not feel like it but you're playing with people's lives especially if you're playing like you're driving a forklift that like if let's say your brake line isn't isn't fully pressurized or or brakes or let's say you're building you know um vehicles and you're not adequately taking the the time to uh, pressurize your brake line and and you sell it to someone and they they can't break when they're driving like you're causing you're, yeah. you're inevitably causing some crashes so it's one of those things where it's it's and not only are you doing preventative maintenance to ensure your profitability of your company your product is getting made more of but you're also doing it so that you don't have you know a potential uh defect in your product or, right. or anything like that or let's say a defect in the line that causes an injury to a worker like that's that's like the worst thing you want to hear, mm-hmm. um, you know, on a Friday night you get called and let's say the robot arm decided to take a left turn through the fence and caught the guy in the forklift. It could have been an engineer that wasn't paying attention, but like that's something mm-hmm. that you don't want to happen, period. Right. <laughs> so, so, so even in that scenario, yeah. if we go back to the four things I talked about, um, so let me let me do just a little bit of clarification on corrective. Mm-hmm. So corrective would be something has 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 deviated from norm okay that's what far corrective enough. so means. you usually put like a so, like a, high, a, a plus and minus value uh how far so, the deviation so, is so the machine was running at 100 percent efficiency now it's running at 80 percent efficiency mm-hmm. why or another way to say it is the robot was meeting tack time but now we're getting so many faults it can't meet tack time that, that's, so you're heading that's, down the road. Of that's correct. If you you've, you've had something that's lower <clears throat> performance of your process and a defect was found. Okay, makes sense. Something that's corrective. Yeah, so yeah, you're correcting yeah. okay. that that scenario. So what I mean by when you're saying safety in today's environment, if we're talking industrial, hmm. there should have been a risk assessment. And there should have been safety zones set up for that robot. So even if it fails yeah. in the worst case, the robot cannot go beyond that. There you go. That area. See, if those things were not set up in the beginning, yeah. then that could have been a a process that was not uh, vetted during the uh, sign off for that equipment, or we missed something in the design process and miscalculated. Yeah, that and could I, happen. And if I mean, it's, it's happen, not impossible. I feel like I feel like in a lot of cases, companies become liable for a lot of that. Well, you, well, you are liable. That's yeah. why you have a. So, that's why you. That's why you do a safety assessment. Exactly. That's why you have a security engineer. Exactly. So, just just to follow up on what you said. Now there are some problems with with preventive maintenance. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say. So uh, some I, some I got, yeah. some of the problems is what's the schedule, right? And if I don't have a schedule, <clears> then the technician doesn't know what to do. 
Yeah, because what's the description of what you want the technician to do? What's the outline yeah. of what the steps are to do the job? Yeah. What's the vil- What's the visibility, or how do we verify what was done was done? Mm-hmm. Th- these are things that are hard to do in a manual process because it's it's not to the point yet where we have um, enough technology there. It's coming. Hmm. Uh, IoT could could do some of those things. Not not a hundred percent, but it could. Could be assisted with AI and machine or machine learning. More machine learning than AI. It's mm-hmm. a form of AI, but machine learning. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then what's the follow up for a defect? Mm-hmm. Do we do we say hey it's fixed one time, and and leave it? So do we fix and set, or do we again? fix and monitor? And mm-hmm. then the, the rest of it is where is where is the data being recorded, and what is the history of that failure? Mm-hmm. Which goes to our last step, and our last step, like I said, <laughs> is is condition-based monitoring. Yeah. Are we monitoring before the deviation and after the deviation? You know, yeah. I, I, IOT could do that. That's another topic. Well, we won't get into that. But it, yeah. I'm saying these are some of the inherent problems with preventive maintenance. Right. In any system. When you bring IOT, it's going to take some time right. to talk about. Now. It. Yeah. <clears throat> When we start talking about, you know, preventative maintenance, because, you know, at this point, we don't, you don't know if the machine is degraded or not. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many, which, what you got going on with it. So, which but, is. But someone has come up with some estimate uh, right. for so, when something would fail. Right. And so, it's like, if you talk about, you know, like, for example, you know, added manufacturing and, you know, the 3D printing space. Right. So, we, we know you know, um, uh, you know, hardware on the manufacturing side, you know, just about as everybody, as well as everybody does, you know, when it comes out of body shops, I'm pretty sure we're very well-rounded in this one by now. Um, but the thing is, is when we start talking at the, at the, at the printer level, we start talking at the additive, at, at the additive level, we don't have a degradation factor yet. Okay. Well, just, so, just to add on, just, just, just a quick thing. Yeah. Each component that you add to that thing has a life cycle. Oh, it does. Far as just the component, like mm-hmm. the stepper motor has a component. Right. The electrical could probably last forever as long as you don't get spikes in the system, mm-hmm. or as, as as long as forever is. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying like there mechanically, just mechanically. Right. The belt has a amount of time that it can mm-hmm. run, mm-hmm. but most people are not running, like you said, at an additive manufacturing from a cons- from a home. Yeah. From the home like that but so, print farms are yeah, different right so now I want, what i want to do is i want to look at the a in the commercial print real estate print farm for example and what i want to do is i kind of want to build the space here okay you have pretty much you know like a connex box size maybe a little bit bigger maybe two connex boxes wide so about 40 feet right full of printers brand new printers never they're just out of the box you just power them up or you got you got ready to power them up, I should say. Now, let's look at that, and we make a preventative maintenance standpoint for this. The reason why I say print farm like that is because most of your higher end printers are going to already have a PM cycle that must be followed, and what has to be followed already. Consumer grade. Or I could say prosumer grade, I should say, printers don't have a have a cycle predefined. 
I mean, I, I think it depends on what your part is. If, if there's a company that's working on, a, on one piece of that printer that's like, hey, I, like for instance, or like, like Slice Engineering and Bontech, mm -hmm. how they're both working on that specific piece, right, right, they right. probably can tell you how long oh, that yeah. one piece will last. Right. But if you're making a whole one all-in-one solution box, yeah, there's gonna you're gonna need everything is gonna be on it. What, what Ed was saying, a different schedule. Okay, but so this is what I'm gonna do. So this is how we're gonna set that. I give you 40 feet. Yeah. 40 feet square, right? And we're gonna fill it full of through some art force. Okay. What does your preventive cycle look like? They, these are the first time they're out of the box. First time they're out of the box, they're just put on a racks, getting ready for use. What does your preventive cycle look like? How do you start building that cycle like from outweigh in? Yeah. Totally. So, how, so where would you start? There should so, be. A, oh well, go ahead. So, you, no, go that, ahead. That, that's what yeah, I want to get at. Is is you know, let's build that because what I want to do, you know, as we kind of see where this 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 the series is going to go, let's start with that farm and work our way in. Mm -hmm. So let's build the farm first, set the preventive maintenance schedules, work our way in, mm -hmm. and go from there. Yeah, I mean the first the first thing I'm saying is there's a first time ready like a first time use, first time out of the box like checklist that you have to do. Period. Like mm -hmm. you need to check you need to check your normal consumables. Like I talked about this earlier. There is mission critical items. Like you, you're you're not going to print without a nozzle. But you just said consumable, so the nozzle so, is pretty much a consumable. Yeah, it's consumable. So, so it's, consum it has a life. Exactly. Yeah. So you check for those consumables and and those things. You you should monitor those because even out of the box, new, some things get dings. Some mm -hmm. have you know manufacturing defects and things like that. So you should do a once over of everything before it starts and make take note of things as well. So that's 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 one checklist yep. I would say. Uh, I agree with that. Let's say we so all of the shelves are set up. Everything yep. everything is like everything's there, everything's wired there. in. So you're ready to roll. The only thing you're waiting on is to start the prints. Where, but you need to make sure they're ready to go mm -hmm. before we kick the print off. So there's there's uh, there's also pieces that you need to look at as far as like. Um, you think once you get to that level, you're thinking about electric. How much electricity am I using, and what happens if I lose power? So you think about situations like that. You, I would say, you need USP, um, USP, USPS is for those. No, USP. That's right. You're right. Okay, yeah. I said it so many right. times. My brain. You're, you're right. Uh, don't don't <laughs> play you're right. Keep going. So no, you should you should have those there box. so mm -hmm. they can so they can um, uh, so you can ensure that you're not losing a print due to a, a, right. a surge mm -hmm. or anything like that. So first thing, you make sure it's functional. Second thing you're doing is making sure that you get the maximum lifetime out of out of these print printers as well. So you think, and then you think about the environment. Like, wh what is the hardware going to have to deal with? So if you're in a con uh, like a Connex container, or con uh, like a, anything in that shape, size, um, it, it's a closed room. You can control your atmosphere in there, control your humidity. You can, like, it, honestly, you probably get a lot more quality prints if you do that anyways. So I would I would make a preventative checklist for, uh, you, you check your consumables to start, you check your power draw, um, and ensure everything's got a backup just in case. Um, so you're, you're checking for um, uh, redundancy. And then after that, um, uh, I would, you know, do a test run. And then see what your test run gives you because not everything's going to be identical. Mm -hmm. So you do a test run, you see what's what's sufficient, and then from there, 
then you can take a peek at your ones that didn't perform. Maybe the bed's not level. Maybe the nozzle's not tight, so it leaked a little bit. So you do all these things, but you're also, you need to take note. And this is where I was actually going to get to what Ed was saying earlier is like you can't get to those data points that to get to the condition monitoring or higher without without first kind of experiencing some of those things mm -hmm. or guesstimating there's somebody that made a that made a guesstimation of how long that that would last and you could use that to start but it's it's you're narrowing down to where your the actual lifetime is so get a checklist to make sure everything's in place um, verify your power verify your atmosphere run a test repeat now and this, this is kind of where i'm going to play doubles up here but it's also you know a fun point because i agree with everything you said yeah so what i would do because the only thing i would add to your add to your cycle is i would you know possibly buy a, a, a separate printer and do a sacrificial lamb oh god and <laughs> the reason why i say yeah. that why i say a sacrificial lamb is i'm going to run filament it. through it yeah and see how long those the nozzles that i purchase are going to last before I put them all, before I put a, that new oh, nozzle okay. on any single machine I've got, because yeah. now I have a data point of how long it's going to last. That's good. So that doesn't, but now that doesn't that includes just run through. That doesn't include like impacts or anything like that. That's true. Because you're not, you know, that'll take some of the variable out of the way. Yeah. But you know, that's my thing on like consumables and stuff like that. Is if you can't test them until right. they're they're under failure point, then why why use them? So so I mean, it makes sense. You make the data point instead right. of going off of what the manufacturer says. Right. So, that, so that's good. So here here's the point. Back to to the to PM part of it. So everything you guys are talking about is basically if I have a first part release, mm -hmm. I want to verify uh, repeatability. So that 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 is what every a uh, good company does is they have a department that has a lab that do those things. So absolutely, you should have a lab to test each filament, each type of uh, um, print and the footprint for that print um, so that you know time and all. That's just the business side. But if we get back to the to the preventive maintenance part, of the preventive maintenance is we should have a maintenance plan. Mm hmm and that maintenance plan consists of things that are mechanical have a certain uh, amount of time that if they run outside of the norm, no lubrication, misalignment, mm -hmm. those type of things after a certain amount of time will cause a failure. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So bearings, yeah. belts, uh, um, uh, for example, uh, if the belts are not aligned right, then maybe I put too much stress on the stepper motor. And mm -hmm. I, I run the risk of wearing the bearings out on the stepper motor. Now I don't have a repeatability. On the other hand, maybe I'm running at such a velocity with these bearings because this print is, it takes a certain velocity because I want to produce a certain amount mm. per uh, hour. Then that puts more wear on the bearing, more load. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to consider those things. Maybe we'll have maybe you 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 uh from a business point maybe i section it off to this is you know high velocity this is normal production this is low production so high run low run i mean high run medium run low run from a business okay. point of view but from a from a preventive maintenance point of view when we're talking things that happen most of the time it's mechanical mm -hmm. there can be electrical things if you do not have um conditioning in place to make sure you get spot take care of spikes um make sure that you don't have under voltages um 
account for when I lose power, I have the right settings or I've done things in the firmware to keep me where I was so I don't have to restart the print and I lose all that material. Right. And that's, like I said, that's more business unit. But from a production, uh, if we separate ourselves from production and say, hey, we need to keep the machinery working, we need to keep the printers running, then we need to think about those type of mm -hmm. things. And then we should schedule those type of tests to verify that we have repeatability on our maintenance plan. You know, I, I like I like your mate. I like you setting the plan because at the end of the day, you need to make a you you have to make the schedule. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing is I, I I do like the separation of of let's say your factory into uh, like three sections because also that gives you the ability for you to say okay this section is on is getting worked on this weekend. There's no maintenance and window. Yeah. Like, so you continue to rotate through. So let's mm -hmm. just say let's say phase one two three or sorry section one two three. Mm -hmm. You got section one is your fast run or your high high uh, quantity uh, usage, but those need the most preventative maintenance. So instead of just saying that these are going to be the only ones that are uh, you know high um, high quantity. You rotate now. Now section two is high quantity. Mm -hmm. You're repairing section one, and and honestly, you could probably even do it to where uh, the it continuously rotates, and then right after the high quantity hits those the highest stress, you know, production time, mm -hmm. it goes into maintenance, and then it goes now it goes into the lowest production and gears all the way up, and then it goes back in again. Mm -hmm. So you create you create this kind of like shift schedule almost. Yeah. That like now, there's no downtime. Right, you are that. producing at that level well, constantly. Well, your, your car right now tells you, "Hey, change cabin filter." Yeah. Your car right now tells you, "Change oil is due in certain time." Your car now tells you air pressure is low. Why? Yeah. Because these are things that have happened in the past. Well, mine doesn't. Mine was part of a Ford after Ford well, continued. But I'm saying it. it <laughs> There are also recalls. In general, in general, you you do know when your when your when your when your meter for your gas, the amount of gas in your car reaches a certain amount because there's an indication. Yeah, you see the dummy light. All of these things happen because these are things that failed in the past. You have to leverage the things that happened in the past into your your maintenance plan to make a preventive maintenance plan. Because corrective is going to happen real time. Preventive maintenance is what we do when we have downtime or access to the system. So these are some of the things we should keep in mind. Like the conditioning base is something that we should develop based on the first two. Right. And the thing is, is like, you know, for me, I think like what you're saying, when we, you, you, you section off your printers. And the big thing is if you have printers that are doing, say you have a printer going on a three-day bender, right? These printers are printing parts that take three days or two or three days to print. But they're, and they're printing high, in high-speed, you know, type of print here. The first thing I'm going to do with those printers, I'm just immediately I'm going to take them offline for a couple of days. You know, hey, come offline. You know, let's go ahead and you know figure this out and look at them because I want to go in there. I want you to start checking my belts. I want to make sure that this thing printing for three days one didn't eat my nozzle alive. But by that time, I surely have it. Have a kind of a set point of yeah. how much filament did I run through versus is my is my should it still be alive? So. so could that be like an analogy like rotating tires? Right, and it's yeah. rotating your printer. You know. And, you know, part of that is, you know, going through and checking your belts. Make sure your belts are aligned. Make sure you have lubrication in some of your stuff. Because if it's running for that, that long period of time, you're going to get dust and dust particles. They're going to lay on top of, you know, you know um, uh, ball screws and stuff like that that could, that could jam you up. It may not be something that everybody sees and goes, oh, that's required. 
No, but making sure your belts aren't completely stretched to the moon. Well, it could be the Come difference between a, a step and a half step, and that's right. enough to ruin your print, to be honest with you. We're talking dimensional accuracy of point, you know, zero one to zero three millimeters, right. uh, like uh, cubic millimeters. That's crazy small. Um, but, like, I, I mean, I totally, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think that there's also kind of, we talked about some things that, like, would be negative as mm -hmm. far as preventive maintenance. I think we really need to, in, in that sense, um, kind of lean into the AI and machine learning side because at a certain point you like the preventive maintenance as of now is let's say I ran you know 15,000 vehicles with this one one set of wheels on it um, putting it on the whole time now this machine is broken and I've got to repair it so we learn from that so now every 15,000 wheels sets of wheels we put on we change it right so let me update your that's ideal so let me update you and i want you to keep your thought yeah. just stop right there for a second yeah. i'm going to update to you what real data is real data is is i looked at a manufacturer's data sheet and that's what i used and that's the guideline in most mm -hmm. maintenance plants mm -hmm. and most plants with maintenance that's that's the first point yeah, yeah. uh the engineer basically that's what he's doing he's taking <clears throat> what the manufacturer gave yeah. on whatever component so to, to go back to so it's even worse than what you're thinking yeah so uh, yeah no no i'm agree. Mm -hmm. they're taking what the manufacturer said who also if i'm making all your tools and i'm like man they need one every fifteen thousand sets of tires they put on you need to replace these every thirteen thousand actually i'm selling more of my sets now and these parts are going with life left on them so to me, if you're not utilizing IoT, you're shorting mm -hmm. yourself, you're, you're giving away a lot of your advantage <clears throat> in production, and then also on the other side of things, if you're not using sensors and IoT, like you end up not getting to that, the, clo the closer you can get to that break point is the, mo the more you get out of life, you yeah. get out of that machine. And the thing is, it's, it's like, but that's when we're talking about the lab. Yeah. You know, for me, it would be, that's when I would, you know, do the sacrificial lamb you know, lab environment mm -hmm. where I'm going to run that particular printer as hard as I can, yeah. collecting as much data as I can as far as like voltage draw, you know, for the motors. I want to start pulling, you know, temperature of the thermistors. I want to start pulling and recording all of that mm -hmm. from that one printer that matches the other 30 or 40 that I've got sitting on the floor and then compile that and throw that into a database. So you, you would have yeah. to do one-to-one. -one, and what I mean by one-to-one -one, if I'm running 300 and if I'm running 256 days out of the year, right, that printer would have to run the same production, not not like normal what we do in a lab. Right. In a lab, we do accelerated tests to simulate that. Right. So you wouldn't have to go beyond just simulation to actually get true data. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I want to uh, uh, say to people. John is talking about IoT sensors. You don't necessarily need IoT sensors. Mm. You can have a IoT uh, intelligent device that connect to your sensor, and it takes and makes your sensor into an intelligent device, which is more mm. cost effective. Right. You don't have to buy all the sensors, so, and you can buy the intelligent device and leverage the intelligent yeah. device to get the data. Just like I got a, I got a, a plasma <clears throat> TV that's not a smart TV, but if mm. I get a Roku box or an Amazon Fire, it becomes thing, a, smart make it a smart TV. TV. Yes. It's the same idea. Okay, yes. well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I that's, mean, that's the approach that people are yeah. taking because there are thousands, <clears throat> cheaper that way, uh, I bet. Uh, tens of thousands, a hundred thousand of sensors 
in a corporation, mm -hmm. and it's just not cost effective to do that. Even yeah. in, a, in even in a uh, a print form, yeah. there there are several uh, thousand sensors. Now, the one thing you do have going with for you with a any 3D printer that it does have a microcontroller, and mm -hmm. with a little bit of programming, you can get access to some of that data. You just have to do some programming. You don't even have to do the IoT necessarily. Right. If you want, like Nick said, to, to see some of those environmental factors, current, temperature, um, speed, um, and those type of things. Now, what, where you will have to have it is where I start having micro uh, deviations in the print. Mm -hmm. You would have to have something mm -hmm. to go in conjunction with that stepper or whatever you're using to verify that that step and that 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 micro skip you know what happened there right you know so i and i don't know that there's a sensor that does that right now and you know i think the one thing also that we're missing that, that i know of that yeah. you know the, the funny part that no, i don't think anybody has kind of brought up and it, it's kind of the, one of the funny thing is one of the most overlooked things in the 3d printer your print bit you know how many times can i heat and deheat heat yeah. and deheat this print surface before i institute a warp the thing is, is I want to have that data. You know, the thing is, it might not, you, don't want to get, you might not get it from the test mule, but you'll get it from your other mules. You know, what, the other yeah. printers. It says, okay, I had, to I had to replace my bed at this many prints, at this many revolutions, at this many hours of print, because now I'm running, if you're running Clipper or something like that, I have my print diagnostics up in front of me that tells me exactly what's going on. And I can jot that down and throw that into a database that I have constantly running saying, hey, guess what? This printer's getting close to a, 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 a you know a, a, a nozzle change, mm -hmm. or this printer is getting close to a bed change. Yeah, this so, MQTT setting on a lot of so, stuff. So, like so back to send those readings. I'm sorry. So back back to your original thing. In the lab, you can do that. Yeah. Because I can run so many sessions with that bed that I can make that happen with that bed because it's a mechanical thing. Yeah, I mean I, that that yeah. can happen. But there are things you can use with that too, and I'm not talking about the level sensor. Hmm. The level sensor can be incorporated. But you can incorporate a strain gauge, mm -hmm. and the strain gauge can give you feedback for when that bed deviates yeah. from a certain amount. Say, so, and I'm gonna let John get back to his point. I, mm -hmm. I apologize, oh, no, but uh, that deviation will show up in it's very small movements, yeah. make small micro, uh, give you microamps or micro volts mm -hmm. that go to something that you can convert over into. Hey. I've deviated this amount. I have this amount of twist. So there are things you can do. Yeah. yeah. With I mean, with with the sensor that we use to test the level of the mm -hmm. bed and with something else to verify that we have some type of mm -hmm. twist or torque. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that those things can be leveraged like you said through yeah. whatever firmware you're using. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean at this at that point you're getting you're you're getting so deep into it's the physics or, or let's say the um, the reactivity, it's what your substance is. It's like, right. how, how does <clears throat> under under these certain temperatures, is my PEI bed going to warp? I would say probably your heat block is probably going to be your first problem. Or your nozzle. Yep. And because, because, the test, the test, this is, we're yeah. saying the test environment. No. We're saying the lab. Everything no. we're talking about is in the lab, not on the shop floor, mm -hmm. or not in the not in your form, your print form. Right. We're saying we're doing all of these tests in the lab yeah. to get a window mm. 
Yeah. And then from the window, we just monitor the window and the settings. So we're not using the same environmental sensors and tests that we're doing in the test environment. Right. Well, I was going to say you should, I mean, you, you can say, do you just go to failure? Or I just I need a window. Failure each part? I need a window. Okay. I need a window for each of those parts. I need a window for I was when say. do I start to see a deviation in the current and that, that, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. tells me I will have a stepper motor failure. Yeah. Failure. When do I see a deviation in the temperature in the block, mm -hmm. in the heat block, where okay I have an issue? When do I see a deviation in the in the, the speed of the material going through or being pulled through the system to I see I have a clog? You can make a window and from the window best practice. And it's always updatable so, so, based on what the print farm Exactly. This is, so this is what I was getting to because like when you when you say we make a sacrificial lamb it's like, okay, boom, it failed. That print didn't work. No. That's no good. <laughs> or, or, okay, or, or let's say, hey, it failed. My print bed warped. Why? Do you put another print bed on there? Well, find out why first. Yes. And then do you put another print bed, leave everything else on, and keep it going? You keep that one till you cannot run a print. Well, the thing you is, you keep running that machine. You keep exactly. running that machine until it fails to produce. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea because you end up printing in the in the situation of your your bed is warped, and it's going to cause you to notice what a warped bed looks. Because like. I would rather, you know, on the preventative side, would rather replace a part early than wait for it to break. In in the in your in the farm print itself, farm. right? So if I know based off of you know, ingrain testing and the print farm that I need to replace my nozzles once every month and a half or something like that, I'm going to go down to it every month. You know, if it's, if I, you know, if I start knowing it's in volume upkick, okay, cool, I'm going to go every, every, every couple weeks. You know, try not to, but go, or I'm going to invest in better nozzles. I'm not going to keep running copper and well, silver and yeah. stuff like that. You know, I'll start running the palladium ones from Slice Engineering or you know the the diamond ones from um, a couple other guys, but you know at that you kind of so then you start working your way into how do I in, engineer the failures out of my system, and which you'll never be able to do that completely. We know that, but you, you'll get close. You what you can do is make a window that works for you. Exactly. If your windows I need to run for a There's month. A sweet spot. You yeah. develop the stuff to run for a month. It's not to get a, if you, okay, if you're Tesla and you can 3D print nozzles, not yet, we'll see. But if you're Tesla and you're 3D printing rockets and you want to be like Tesla and 3D print nozzles, fine. I'm saying for you, your production window is a certain thing. Right. I want this amount of production before I change consumables. That's what you're shooting for. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. If you can make it better than that, then fine. Mm -hmm. But for production-wise, for bringing in capital into your your organization or your small business or your commercial business or your large organization, mm -hmm. the goal is I need a window. I verify that window in my lab. Yeah, yeah I think the window of acceptable cost versus mm -hmm. loss is, right. is, is kind of what you're saying. So, like, if I keep this running, like, what's... At a certain point, you need to do an assessment of what it would cost for a critical failure and understand that the the cost that that failure took to fix um, and the time that that failure took to fix time is time, money, money is time. lost producing. So if, you're, if you know you're producing at that rate and 
you could start to put a number to what your downtime is, mm-hmm. and that'll make you move, I bet, real quick. Oh, yeah. The thing is, is preventive maintenance is, is one of those things that should be, you know, on the forefront of, you know, most new shop design, new shop setups and stuff like that, I think. And, you know, for us, you know, we all come from a, you know, IT maintenance standpoint background where we kind of understand what happens when things don't go the way they should. Sometimes it's drastic. Sometimes it's not as drastic. But the thing is, is some of us also wish we did more preventive maintenance than we did reactive maintenance. So, you know, with that, I think we've got to a, a decent stopping point on the hardware, you know, side of the house. And we'll continue to probably talk about a little bit more hardware also in the next episode. We're going to be talking about the electrical side of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and also the, um, uh, the, like the IT side of the house for preventive maintenance. So you're talking about your softwares and stuff like that. So, you know, from my side, you know, we're approaching a little over 1,700 listeners now. Um, you know, all over the world, we did really well. Let's keep doing very well. And you know, we can be there. We couldn't do that without y'all. You know, we appreciate it. You know, we, we you know, we, we, we really do. Uh, we hope to see y'all at, you know, some of the other conventions. You know, we got South Tech coming up in October here, uh, you know, up in Greenville, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. We also got, um, uh, a show in Anaheim, California next year with Rapid 2024. Um, which we will be at. Um, there's no ifs, ands, buts about that one. Definitely going to be there. Um, but, you know, we hope to see some of y'all there. You know, maybe if you the, you know, Rocky Mountain Rep Rap or something like that, you know, one of these years, go say hello. Um, you know, we couldn't do it without y'all. Um, we appreciate y'all. Um, you know, like I tell it, like, like, I, like me and Ev said before, we, we started this just to have an outlet of talking and, you know, BSing. Never thought it'd take off, but, you know, hey, here we are. We're having fun with it. So. All right, from my side, y'all have a good one. And I appreciate y'all. Talk to y'all. So uh, the one thing I would like to say, I would like to uh, change the the, uh, paradigm for uh, when we talk about preventive maintenance. I I would like to maybe ask you guys, maybe we should should call it attentive maintenance because that's that's most of the issue, ownership of the equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone has to show the uh interest in that piece of equipment and pay attention to that piece of equipment um even with machine learning and iot there are still gaps in between what ai can and cannot do um so i i would say from a person that's trying to do a a a small print farm or you know say a moderate print farm I would definitely look at these type of things because that's probably going to cost you money if a printer's not working. Mm-hmm. That's just my my perspective, um, and I would like to say thank you guys. Uh, I had some things going on, but I've taken care of those things, so I should be pretty uh, frequent here moving forward. Uh, we do appreciate all of the support. Um, if you guys feel like you want to ask questions or... Uh, challenges on some things or maybe give us some suggestions on things that you would like for us to cover we're open to any ideas mm-hmm. over to you john yeah and, and i always echo these guys thank you uh grateful uh grateful that we have anybody even listening um it's it's nice to have intellectual talk period or talk about anything that's you know important or at least we think it's important so it's nice um at the end of the day 
if you guys want to contribute as well, like it, we're always open to it, you know, reach out to us. Uh, we, we see some comments and things like that. Uh, we would like to see more, but it's, it's, it's really up to y'all if y'all want us to go in a direction because we will find a way on our own anyways. Um, so we, we would value your opinion. Um, but, yeah, just reach out on the same thing of preventive maintenance is uh, I think if you're not doing preventative maintenance, you're not doing yourself a favor. Think about future you, future you in that situation where you have to fix that machine. And think about that 2 a.m. phone call that you don't want to make. So you make those, you write those instructions so that they understand. You write, you, 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 you create that schedule so that you don't have to, you know, change. Uh, you can expect kind of what, what happens and when it happens. And then you, you need to be paying attention and, and, and you're right, attentive. It's about passion. You need to care about what you're doing because if you don't, there's no way that you're going to keep improving. So, I mean, that's the goal, isn't it, to keep improving. So uh, with that, guys, uh, I say thank you. Stay tuned. Uh, keep listening. And uh, you know, we'll see you in the next one. There you go. Have a good one. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoy the show, and don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.